Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. This is our first episode, and we thought we'd you know, take this opportunity to introduce ourselves, give you a bit of background on us and who we are, and give you a little bit of information on the program and what we're going to be talking about over the following year. It's going to be exciting, isn't it? I'm looking forward to it, Chris. I've never done a podcast before. Right. Here, no, let's, let's go. Okay, so Chris, um, you're a bit ahead of me with this, with regards to broadcasting. I, I believe you've already been behind the microphone, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, met, met for, well, for, for a few years for uh, BBC Radio Solent down in Southampton, and uh, more recently for Three Counties Radio, just over in uh, in, in uh, Luton. So, uh, yes. Quite local then. Definitely. So tell us a bit about yourself, Chris. Um, what got you into gardening? Oh, gosh, the recollections when you're young, isn't it? Um, I remember helping my mum and dad in the garden when I was uh, knee high to a grasshopper. Okay. Uh, I, I can just remember loads of turf being delivered one day and they see this mountain of uh, soil and helping with pushing my little wheelbarrow around the garden, trying to trying to help or hinder. Mm-hmm. My, <laughs> my recollections of trying to grow uh, some vegetables and uh, I remember growing some tomatoes when I was young. But also the most, most distinct recollection is fragrance. Um, my mum and dad love sweet peas, which I love now, but it was dianthus, good old garden pinks, because I think I was so, so small and we used to grow them in a raised bed. Um, my nose really did touch them as I was walking past. Well, certainly I think one of the uh, the joys of uh, summer and spring to me is um, when you walk past certain plants and, and it always amazes me, things that you... Most of the year, just think, oh, it's a funny old green bush. Why are people growing that? And yeah. an example of that was an Eliagnus. That mm. I'd always thought Eliagnus, yeah, they're fairly pretty, a bit green. They don't sort of shrubby things. They make a nice hedge. But other than that, what's the point in them? And then a few years ago, I walked past my uh, the one in my garden, and the smell was amazing. It, Fantastic! Really, yeah. it really captivates you sometimes, doesn't it? It does. And the thing is, with uh, Ely Agnes, of course, you can't really see the flowers. They're very small, very actually very insignificant, aren't they? Yeah, you you they see really the are. you see the leaves, and uh, the smell is 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 a bonus, but a, lo- a lovely shrub. Tell us a little bit about your technical career, as mm. it were. What? Where did you start? Um, yeah, my, my journey. Yeah, I, I started um, after leaving school with a, a couple of A levels. I, I wasn't uh, after leaving school. I decided to do an apprenticeship um, okay. in a commercial horticulture, far removed from working in a retail garden centre. And uh, it certainly is. And uh, I worked at a company called Rochford's Houseplants, which many of our, our listeners will know the name. Um, they were They're so, a big, big houseplant supplier, aren't they? they yes, um, they, they, they were. And it was actually Mr. Thomas Rochford who coined the term houseplant. In really? the, yeah, he was that important. In 1947, I think, if you remember, so just over the war years. And they were, they were instrumental. They brought us, uh, the, you know, the rubber plant, the, the spider plant, the money tree, all those favourites of the 1960s and 70s into our homes. And of course, now, houseplants are having a massive revival with all the uh, millennials. They are, because, uh, I mean, certainly those of us, unfortunately, who had to stay at home uh, due to the outbreak of COVID and, Obviously, you had a lot more time to spend in the house and um, growing house plants. I personally find quite fun. I, I got into orchids a few years ago, and 
I'm always amazed that sort of every year now I get them back into flour. I use a very simple sort of dunk it once a week regime, mm-hmm. and uh, to start off with, it was straight under the tap, and <laughs> yeah, they did okay. But now yeah. I've um, now I've sort of learnt that it's far better to give them rainwater. So I collect rainwater, and I put a little bit of fertilizer in them from growth technology, and um, make sure that I don't leave them yeah. in there bucket of water overnight i only give them sort of a a quick 15 20 minute bath each you know and um spray the the foliage every now and again with Mm. a sort of mister and Mm. it really does make a difference i mean plants i personally find fantastic because most of them will try and live whatever you do to them so that's it even the likes of me who (laughs) sometimes don't give them the perfect environment to grow in well remember most house plants are killed by kindness that's the thing that's the statistic everybody mentions and it's very true it's interesting you know you mentioned about orchids peter that when i was doing my apprenticeship in the in the late 70s early 80s orchids were very deemed as exotic and very expensive a moth orchid which we probably retail for sort of 15 20 pounds then would have been 80 to 100 pounds so different times i mean the most popular house plants at that time were things like begonias and chrysanthemums african violets you know you, you fairly standard fare perhaps but now we've got so much more interesting varieties and species obviously from further afield um but one little factoid about orchids is the fact that the uk now grows the most moth orchids more than the Dutch. So most of the ones you tend to buy in garden centres and, and, and have to say elsewhere aren't necessarily grown in Holland. So we are, we've got a very uh, burgeoning orchid uh, uh, business uh, out there. That's really interesting because I'd always imagine they come from more exotic climes like Indonesia or yeah. India yeah. or somewhere like that. <laughs> but they're actually, most of them are, or a lot of them are grown in the UK now. That's it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. And you went to college, didn't you, Chris? Yeah, that's right. I went up to uh, up to Preston, a, a college called Mysco, and I did my national uh, diploma in horticulture. And uh, yeah, it was great, great fun. I think horticulture, when you're in a, a learning environment, you have your favourite subjects and your least favourite. Um, my least favourite was machinery and arboriculture. I always used to forget the knots when I was climbing trees, which was always a bit uh, a bit embarrassing uh, for the tutor. Um, but we'll pass over that. <laughs> and then, of course, it was a good opportunity to learn garden centre retailing because I took the option to do garden centre retailing, not realising that it was going to be the path which uh, led me to, to, to my job at uh, Buckingham Garden Centre. So you started uh, all in one, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, all in one garden centre up in, uh, in up in Rochdale. Um, fond memories of, of that garden centre, family run, very much like uh, like Buckingham. Because yeah, um, they, they put up a similar claim to fame that they've just you know, had their fiftieth anniversary. They it? have indeed, yes. And I was I was with them for for just over over twelve years, and obviously I, I came very uh, fresh out of college and uh, quite a new environment. But it was a garden centre where we. We like to do things a little bit differently, and uh, my, uh, my my boss there, uh, Dave, he was very pushy at get, getting involved in competitions and doing all that sort of stuff. So we we forged some interesting links with the, the Garden Centres Association very early on, and even going to the Chelsea Flower Show, which I never thought I'd go, and we actually picked up a, a medal, which was quite amazing. So these these opportunities you get, um, and it was great. It was great fun. I really really enjoyed those 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 years. 
and then from there you moved into media. Yeah, it was a bit of a change of direction. I wanted to, to try and I, as always, I've always fancied doing some writing. And I, actually, when I was working at Rochford's, I did do a little bit of uh, writing for a couple of magazines, and one of them was Amateur Gardening magazine. And uh, I saw a, a job advert came came up in uh, I think 1993, and uh, it was a time in my life where I think I wanted to change. So I, I bit the bullet and. Uh, managed to get an interview and became a sub-editor on the magazine for, for about four and a half years. And again, that obviously, geographically, I moved from Rochdale down to sunny uh, pool, and that was that was good fun, obviously learning about what you could grow in, in nice warm gardens near the, near the sea. And uh, it was a, a great experience, and uh, yeah, it meant that you could do some, some interesting things working on a magazine, so... So was the maritime climate sort of a little bit warmer and Ooh, um, yeah. you're suddenly able to grow things that couldn't do in that world? Yeah, lo- lots of exotics, lots of palms. And, uh, you know, we, we plant palms or, or dracaenas in our gardens in this part of uh, Buckinghamshire, North Bucks, and they, they grow quite well. My word, in that part of the world, they, they double their size each year. It's quite uh, quite amazing. You never see any snow really in that part of Dorset and or, or a few cold nights perhaps. So, yeah, very very good for, for for gardening so the gulf stream really does keep mm. it a bit warmer most definitely there. yes and then from amateur gardening you moved on to another yeah um so i was um i think in the garden in the in the trade you're you're headhunted but i got an opportunity to launch a, a gardening magazine so i moved from amateur gardening and worked on and started a magazine called garden ideas which was a month well originally it was a bi-monthly magazine then went monthly it did quite well on the book stands, so I got to get involved in commissioning articles, doing the whole works, which was uh, scary. Um, it was fun. Um, it was very time-consuming. It became a, a labour of love, but it was a fantastic. Sort of nearly two years of my life, which I'll never forget, and a, a, an opportunity which you know don't come along at all that often. And of course, it was then, Peter, that I actually found about Buckingham Nurseries. So uh, were we advertising in the magazine for the mail order business? Well, that's interesting. Yes, one or two ads went into the magazine. However, um, we used to do a a feature called uh, Shopping um, with the magazine, and it was like four or six pages where we'd actually go out to a a garden centre or a nursery and take some shoppers along and try and infuse them with lots of information very much like we're going to hopefully do with our podcast to give them lots of information and lots of tips and things. And uh, I saw Buckingham Nurseries. I thought, oh, perhaps we should do something on hedging plants. So I, I popped down um, with a photographer and I remember meeting um, um, Pauline and uh, having a wander around and being totally enthused by what uh, what were we doing at the nursery here. And uh, we got a really nice, interesting article. Well, six pages of article actually out of it. So it was a it was a good good thing, and it was a good good way of uh, of pushing the whole idea of that you know not all hedging plants have to be green and be called Lalandi. Mm, yes, we do have quite a range here, don't we? We do. And, yeah. Um, it's certainly a, yeah. Interesting part of the business. Mm. So the garden center, when you came to see it, Chris, it must have been in winter time. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, like like I say, the the hedging business is um, a significant part of the company. Um, obviously, the, to give you a bit of a history about the garden center, my grandfather started the business or had a a business um, in Byron Hill back in 1950. After the war, he. Had, he started life as a, 
I think it was a sort of barrow boy um, working right. in the vegetable markets in London. Excellent, right. And had various other sort of little jobs on the side, but he had a massive passion for alpines, mm-hmm. which then grew into a nursery and then eventually a garden centre, t- stroke nursery, um, and that was in Byron Hill. Then my father sort of get got to the, had finished college and decided that he wanted to sort of continue in the garden centre industry and so they moved the business up to the site we have here at Buckingham, in the outskirts of Buckingham and that was obviously 50 years ago Mm. and uh, has grown ever since. I mean, originally I can remember photos of the site as um, Mm. essentially just a field um, with not an awful lot on (laughs) it and um, I've got we've got pictures of my parents um, sort of laying out the original plant beds and there was like gravel paths and um, the first building was a is it ter- yeah, terrapin. Terrapin, terrapin is building. a glorified yeah. shed, I think, yeah. is a better great word to describe it. Yeah, a terrapin building. Yeah. Um, and then that moved on to sort of a brick building, and then the big, the brick building became too small, and so that it got enlarged and grew. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, the, the site's grown and grown and yeah. grown. So, so, so can you remember your first recollections here then, Peter, as a, as a, a youngster? Yes, I guess um, the thing that really sticks in my mind was when I was, I'm going to say, eight, nine years old, um, pushing customers' trolleys out to their cars um, (laughs) in the hope of getting a tiny little tip. I can remember sort of back in those days in the early 80s, um, tipping was still quite Mm -hmm. common in this country. And um, if I earned 10 pence for lifting three bags of compost into a customer's car. <laughs> I was really yeah. chuffed. And I, 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 I can remember at the end of the day, if I'd earned 50p, that was a really was good, good day. That was a result. So, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that was a good you know, good day's work. Because um, my parents never paid me. I don't think they do now. But anyway, yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the early days of the garden centre, the likes of bags of compost, um, I mean, the one that sticks in my mind was Shamrock Irish Moss Peat. Mm. They were huge, great bales. Yeah. They 200-litre bales that uh, you had to have two people to lift into the car because they, they were big. And I think the nursery mm. at that stage was using 300-litre bales. Yeah. And I can remember sort of making compost in the compost machine and you'd have to get these huge, great bales onto the edge of the machine, cut them and split them open and then... Yeah. It's in the osmocote and the lime. That's right. Oh, yes. It's um, <laughs> all good. Chemicals um, and fertilizers to mm. make the right mix. And then it would sort of tumble out the other end where you put a tray of P9s uh, mm-hmm. through and then yep. you put the seeds in and then yeah. carry them through to the greenhouse where you put a sheet of glass yeah. over them. And yes. Come back. So Buckingham was quite a commercial little nursery at that point, then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my 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 first memories of the garden centre and it were there was sort of the greenhouses and mm-hmm. then then there were the seasonal the, the sort of poly tunnels mm-hmm. which were for growing plants and then that was sort of for the garden centre side and then the other side of the business was the field which mm-hmm. was ploughed up every autumn. Mm-hmm. loads of trenches dug and yeah. the yard would fill up with um, bundles and bundles and bundles of hedging 
I can remember my father telling me that um, once he had had it uh, worked out how uh, how long a hedge we could have um, made if we put all the hedging plants we'd sold from sort of end to end, and um, it had got halfway to the moon. Wow! By the last time, but I mean that was many years ago. He told me that, so hopefully we've actually made made enough hedging <laughs> now Sounds to get us to the fantastic. moon. Fantastic! Yeah, yeah. But then we plant a lot of hedging in this country, don't we? Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. hedges are so much better than. Little fences and things yep. like that. Yep. They give you a windbreak. They give nature somewhere to mm. live and hide and shelter. Yep. And um, obviously, yeah, help oxygenate the earth and um, reduce those CO2 good. emissions as well, don't they? So what about working? So, yes, so I went to school and then um, went to Pershaw. After Pershaw Horticultural College, I then came to the garden centre and I you know, worked in the house plant department for a short while and then went down to the mail order department and worked as a bundler. What, what, what's, sorry, what's a bundler? A bundler. So that's where you get to drive the tractor up the field with a trailer on the back, pull bundles of hedging, so mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. 25 quickthorn, two to three foot or mm-hmm. something like that, and yep. 50 beach or whatever yep. the bundles mm-hmm. are. And then you take them all back and put them in the shed, split them all up into the individual orders. Um, mm-hmm. So... Then from there, the packers could then come and pick the crates, which were filled of the bundles of hedging. Great and, stuff. Um, off they good went. old traditional workings of a nursery. Yeah, it's yeah. So, so good to hear. It was it? cold. It yeah. was in the wind. It was obviously yeah. the winter time, so yeah. you'd have two jumpers and gloves <laughs> and agricultural and the sort of horticultural work outside is. Um, it's not for the faint-hearted. I'd say no. it's sort of one of those Agreed. things that, as us gardeners know you do have to suffer the elements. But equally, we get to enjoy the lovely fresh air, and in the summer, there's nothing better than working outside in the sun. Uh, Especially in these, these COVID times as well. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, certainly one of the benefits of being at home, potentially for you know, some people, has been the amount of time they've been able to spend in the garden Indeed. and doing those little things around the house that yeah. they hadn't done before. So. And, and then, then mo- and from- same, I'm saying moving on then, um, yeah. So from the uh, mail order department, um, my passion, certainly from about the age of seven or eight, I think I had my first goldfish tank, so it was basically aquatics and Uh um, keeping fish, and I started the aquatics department here and got that up and going. From the aquatics department, um, I also have a love of food and got involved with the restaurant and helping run the restaurant and getting fed and then um, from that the the position of the general manager came up and the previous general manager suggested I'd be good in that post so I got the role as general manager here at the garden centre and um, have been enjoying doing that for quite a few years now. (laughs) So that's a little bit about me. Excellent thanks Peter. So Chris, um, Dig It Podcast. Hmm. What are we going to be discussing this year? Yeah, over the next 12 months, piece, we've got, we've got a lot of subjects, actually, from uh, ornamental gardening to fruit and veg to houseplants and everything in between. I think the whole uh, the preface of what we're trying to do is to try and obviously get the best out of our wonderful guests we've got lined up as well, to try and uh, enthuse and educate and inform and hopefully um, get an, a sense of uh, sort of enjoying and sharing our, our passion for gardening. Chris, it always amazes me. Whenever I ask you a question, you seem to know the answer. Oh, I don't. And, um, <laughs> I, don't. I, 
I think it would be very good for us to be able to share some of that knowledge with our uh, with people. And um, I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit about how I should be looking after my plants. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think Peter as well. We're always learning, and that's the great view of you. Obviously, talking to the experts and uh, guests we've got coming up, we're going to learn so much out of that, and hopefully, our listeners will enjoy that and take something away from that. So, plenty coming up over the next twelve months. Brilliant. And one thing that we're very keen to do is obviously answer the right questions. Mm. So, if you've got any questions, please, please, please come onto our website there's a page on the website which is dedicated to the podcast on the website there's a form that you can fill in on the website will be our contact address so you can send us um, your questions and hopefully we'll know the answers and be able to answer them the program for our podcast we will be publishing if you've got a question relating to any of those obviously we'll try and tie it in with that there'll also be some regular monthly updates, yeah, updates. Yeah. We, we, about so we'll be doing podcasts covering what you need to be thinking about doing in the following sort of month mm-hmm. so hopefully we'll be able to answer your questions in relation to when it's relevant indeed yes and also if when you're, you're sending over your, your questions there'll be an opportunity if you've got any uh, plant you'll need any plant identifications or any uh, pest and disease problems obviously take a photograph and we can obviously accommodate those as well but uh, it's very much your your podcast as much as as ours so yes we look forward to hearing from you so our next podcast chris what's that all about right okay so uh, we're going to be looking at the wonderful world of growing potatoes Okay. Everybody's favourite, well, it is everybody's favourite vegetable in some form or other. And we're going to be joined by um, an expert, a potato guru, by the name of John Marshall. We look forward to, to speaking to him very soon. Brilliant. Well, we look forward to having you along for that. And thank you for listening. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Chris. Our thanks today goes to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music for our show. At Chilton Music Therapy... We want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.